To leave the past where it belongs, child And take a leap into the light And find the freedom you were born for I've been waking up in the morning this past week feeling claustrophobic and feeling, man, I, I, I need to go to get some coffee or something. So what I've done is gotten my vehicle and drove down to Starbucks. It was 6.30 in the morning and Starbucks drive through is closed. I'm like, are you kidding me? 6.30 in the morning and Starbucks is closed? Then I went over to Panera Bread and Panera Bread's closed. They're both not open till 7 a.m. And, and I'm like, man, I'm ready for stuff to open. And just, I, I, and I know I'm not alone. Uh, many of you are working from home during this COVID-19 uh, situation we're facing. And uh, many kids are, are in school online. And, uh, and, ha- and you're asking yourself, man, how do we hang in there and not go crazy? And I'm feeling the same way. I'm like, how do we grow in our walk with the Lord and not grow crazy? And so I want to encourage as we look at God's word today. I really believe the trials we're facing right now in, in our, our country, in our world, can really be used to stretch us, to grow us, to help us be more like Jesus. And thank God he has a plan. So we're going to look this morning in scripture today of how to walk in the life of Jesus to come alive and not go crazy. So let's look at John 7 verse 53. They went each to his own house. But Jesus went up to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman's been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. So we see here, this passage is actually not in the earliest manuscripts. And in, in the ESV uh, points that out, and, and, and NIV as well points that out. But we see here that the woman is caught in the middle. And they place her in the midst of the, the people that Jesus was teaching to, and they expose her to public shame. And so as this is happening, you see that the scribes and Pharisees were hoping to catch Jesus in a trap. They are using this woman as a pawn to catch Jesus not upholding the law. See, in cases of adultery, Jewish law called for stoning. You see that in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 22. But Roman law would not allow it. So if Jesus recommended that the woman be released, he could be accused of breaking the law or of treating the law of Moses carelessly. On the other hand, if Jesus recommended stoning the woman, he would be breaking Roman law, bringing on the wrath of the government and giving the Jewish leaders a a, a reason to accuse him. So the Jewish leaders cared nothing for true justice, which we see by the fact that they only brought the woman, they did not bring the man. So justice would naturally demand that the adulterous man would face the same judgment. So she must have been experiencing shame and feeling alone. The adulterous man did not value her. He was not there. 
The scribes and Pharisees did not value her. They were using her as a pawn. So what do you do when you're caught in the middle here? Well, you would think also Jesus was caught in the middle. So what does Jesus do? And we see it in John chapter 8, verse 6. What he does when he's asked this question is he stoops down in the ground and begins to write notes in the dirt. And he looks up at him and he says, He who is without sin casts the first stone. And then he bends back down and he begins to write notes in the dirt again. And scripture says one by one, the older ones first left him. And it was a, just an amazing passage there to, of reflection. First of all, I wonder, what is he writing? What are the notes he's writing in the dirt? I'm wondering if he's, uh, some have thought that maybe he's writing the names of ladies that the scribes and Pharisees had been committing adultery with. Right? He'd write Sally and look up at one of them, or Rosie and look up at one of them. I personally think he was writing down the sins of the scribes and the Pharisees that they had committed, and it was reading their heart to them is what I think was happening. But we don't know for sure. But one thing is that they left because they knew that they had sin in their lives. See, and, and I love that the, John points out that the older ones left first. <laughs> I, I think the longer I live, the more I realize that I don't have it altogether. You know, but they were dealing with, uh, the, the scribes and Pharisees were dealing with heavy, heavy, terrible self-righteousness. See, if we struggle with self-righteousness, we shouldn't compare ourselves one to another. We should compare ourselves to the ultimate standard, which is Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is the only sinless one. Let's look at John chapter 8, verse 9. And following, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? He has, has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. You can really see Jesus' heart here. Here, Jesus is left alone with this woman who is struggling. And, and he's asking her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one. No one, Lord. And so neither do, he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Have you ever felt left alone? I know I have. And the woman committing adultery here, she was filling a need the wrong way a deep longing of her soul, but only Jesus can satisfy the need. So last week, uh, if you followed along, if not, you need to watch the message from last week. Jesus said that he is living water. And we looked at how we have a drought of the soul and we are all thirsty. And that Jesus satisfies our deepest thirsts. And John 7, verse 37 from last week, Scripture says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus is saying, drink of me. 
And really, it gives thought back to, as you reflect on it, to John chapter 4 that we looked at weeks ago on, on the message titled, Leave Your Water Jar, where Jesus was at the, at the well where the Samaritan woman was, and he was talking with her about the, the water that he truly offers. And when you see in verse 13 of John 4, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus here treats the Samaritan woman at the well with dignity and speaks to her spiritual need with compassion. Jesus treats the woman here in John 8 who's caught in adultery with dignity and speaks to her spiritual need with compassion. Jesus treats us with dignity and speaks to our spiritual need with compassion. So as you're watching online and listening to the word here, let me ask you, what are, we, what are you trying to fill your needs with that can only be filled by God? Are you responding in anger and pride and arrogance, trying to fill your, 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 your needs, your deep needs with pride? Is it a need for appearance? You're making social media posts and having, where you're actually a, a, attaching your own identity and appearance to how you interact with people online. Are you filling your needs with uh, sexual sin? Is it entertainment, the pursuit of pleasure, filling your needs that only God can meet? Maybe it's food or, or performance and you're trying to feed your needs with that or, or, or finances and your financial standing. We see as she's left alone, but she's not just by herself. She is left alone with God. The woman caught in adultery is left alone with God. This is a great place to be. This COVID-19 season is a time I really believe where we can work on our relationship with him. That as we're, uh, we're feeling more isolated and we're uh, really working on our relationship with God. What can we do to lean into the Lord more? See, Jesus is the sinless one left alone with this woman to minister to her. And he says to her, neither do I condemn you. The one who is sinless, who could condemn her, says, neither do I condemn you. Romans 8 verse 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As we are in Christ, there is no condemnation in Christ. And then in John 1 verse 14, it says that Jesus came in grace and truth. Jesus here is helping us understand and experience, he's helping her understand forgiveness and mercy. And he's wanting us to learn from that as well, that we can experience Christ's forgiveness and his mercy. See, Jesus is after her heart to change her. And so what we see here is Jesus changes her and changes us to enable us. When we start to understand that a holy God does not condemn us, we can stand and rest in him. 
He does this by letting us know he loves us and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Man, that is great news. His heart is this. I don't want to see your life destroyed. I want what is best for you. When we begin to understand that we're loved by Jesus, what happens is we're dearly loved by Jesus. It changes our heart to where Scripture says that if you love me, if we love the Lord, we're going to obey what he commands. So as we, dearly, we deeply know in our hearts that God loves us, we respond with loving him, and obedience flows from a heart that's in love with Jesus. So we see here that Jesus changes us to enable us to walk in freedom, to sin no more. See, all of us, we can be our worst critic. And I want you to know there is hope today that you can begin to walk in victory and overcome those habits and those sin patterns where you can walk in sin no more in those areas. So he says to the lady, from now on, sin no more. So our response from this is, what do you need to leave behind? What in your life do you need to leave behind? Are you binge eating? I know that's one for me. Man, at night, man, it makes me feel good to eat a lot of food and binge eat. Man, I got to watch that one. I got to leave it behind. I know I'm coping with food. Is it, are you getting on Facebook, comparing yourself Either you're jealous of someone else, what they have, or you're prideful that you have a whole lot more in whatever area it is that you're comparing in. Do you need to leave that behind of comparing yourself like that and jealousy or pride? Do you need to leave behind a, a temper that you're taking out on your kids? You're losing your temper with your kids or your parents, your spouse, your siblings. Are you getting on late at night or a time of isolation looking at pornography? Are you just spending hours and hours wasting time with mindless entertainment when it can be used for God's glory? Are you basing your value on your performance, your bank account, your appearance, and you know you need to leave that behind? Are you your worst critic, and you know you need to leave that behind? Do you need to leave behind a lack of purpose, living in depression, worry, fear, overwhelming stress, what do you need to leave behind and do no more? How do we do this? How do we leave these things behind when Jesus says to sin no more? I got a couple of areas that I really believe Scripture teaches that are really on my heart that I want to share with you. Years ago, I was uh, driving down I-26. It was pouring rain. I mean, it was coming down in sheets of rain. And as I was driving down, I, no, I noticed the car, all the windows rolled down on the side of the road, I-26, and rain is just pouring into the car. And I just drive on, and I, I really feel the Holy Spirit urging and impressing upon my heart that, Joy, a lot of times, what you do in others, if you're not careful, you leave the windows of your heart, the windows of your life down. As sin is raining down, trying to, to, to grab hold of you, you're just there with the windows down. And I really felt, man, Joey, roll those windows up tight, as tight as they can be, so you don't get ripped off from your destiny. 
And I also realized as I was reflecting on that, sometimes what happens, we have a tendency not only to live, with, uh, live our life with our windows down where the sin can get in our lives, but we drive right into the rain. We drive into it and we begin to make choices that we suffer the consequences for. So what we do to uh, begin to sin no more, and what I mean by sin no more, walk in victory, and you're not, gra- you're not held down with this sin anymore, is we need to check ourselves so we don't wreck ourselves. Check yourself so you don't wreck yourself. The NFL draft was just on, and as I, I really enjoyed it this year. It was cool watching them make picks from their houses with the kids hanging around them. And, and then you had the, uh, the, those who were being drafted in their homes with their families. I, I, I really enjoyed it. But it re- reminds me of a time I heard an interview with Daryl Revis. And at the time, uh, uh, Daryl Revis was in his prime. And they called him Revis Island because he was a cornerback and that was his island. You weren't going to get, no one was going to catch a ball on his island. But they asked him, why are you so great? Why are you making all pro and being so great? He says, I watch a ton of game film. I watch it, I watch it, I watch it until the receiver I'm watching the game film on, I see a tell that I can watch it so often I know the route the receiver is going to run so I can defend him better. You know, as I reflected on that, I realized that Satan knew my game film better than I did. Because I had never reflected on my sinful tendencies of why I fall into certain areas of sin. I never looked at why I, I tend to be vulnerable. So what I did, I took time to study my personal game film. My tendencies where I tend to fall into sin. And as I did that and I wrote out my game film, I know my tendencies very well now. I really believe that if, if, if you learn to check yourself, you won't wreck yourself. And you can do that by really looking at your personal game film. Another one you can do to uh, go and sin no more is step into the light with others. Because as you begin to step in the light with others, those who love God and love us, what happens when you begin to step into that light and get other people to help you, you begin to understand, wait a second, sin grows in darkness, but in the light it is exposed and can be dealt with. So we're to confess our sins one to another that we may be healed. I want to encourage you also to listen to those who are showing us our sin. Those that love God and love you, man, listen to the hard stuff they share with you. Be be willing to accept truth in your life. Remember, Jesus came in grace and truth. We need God's grace and we need God's truth in our lives. And when we step into light with others, we can begin to walk in that victory. Next week, I can't wait to dig into next passage of Scripture on Mother's Day. It's going to be an incredible Mother's Day service you don't want to miss. I can't wait. I'd love to get in that passage today, but we'll do it, get into it next week where I really believe God's going to speak to us in amazing ways. Also, there's discussion questions attached to uh, online on, on the YouTube page there. I would love, after the service, if you'd like, you can really talk about those within your family and those who are your your home watching online, and really begin to apply the message of how to step in the light with others to walk in victory. 
So the third way that we can begin to go and sin no more is remember the why. See, sin leads to death. And we begin to remember, wait, I don't want death in my life. You don't want to be robbed of your destiny. And that's what sin does. And when you realize that sin robs you of your destiny and your family's destiny, that sin will reduce you to, will seduce you to reduce you, you begin to be motivated so much more. I don't want to be ripped off from my relationship with God. I want to walk in victory. I've paid the price and come so far, I don't want to go back into sin. You got to remember the why. James 1, 14 and 15 says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Any sin area in our life can lead to destructive consequences if we let it hang around. I encourage you, as you're listening to God's word today, don't let sin hang around your life like it's a pet. Don't do it. Know that it's ripping you off from your destiny. It hinders your relationship with Jesus. And Jesus' heart is, remember, he he doesn't want to see your life destroyed. He wants what is best for you. And another area of how we can go and sin no more is don't condemn yourself. Forgive yourself. We need to learn how to, in a healthy way, not in a narcissistic way, but in a healthy way to love ourselves, to accept ourselves, and to forgive ourselves. The cross is enough for you. James 1, 14 and 15, as I shared that with you, is enough for you. When we forgive ourselves, what happens is we drop the dead weight in our lives that we were never meant to carry. And, I, and listen, I'm not, I, I struggle with forgiving myself as well. But the cross is enough for my forgiveness of sins. And it's enough for you as well. I love what Jesus says to the woman caught in adultery. And I want to hear us to hear it so clearly and walk it out. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin No more. God's heart is not to throw stones in our face, but by his grace to take our place. Remember the woman was caught in the middle, but Jesus was not caught in the middle. He willingly placed himself in the middle to take our place. And that's what the good news of Jesus is all about. He is sinless, perfect, a holy God. We are a sinful people that cannot be in relationship with him. But he stepped into the middle and paid the price for our sins. He took our place for us so that we can, be, we can know from our hearts there is no condemnation for, in Christ Jesus because our sins are paid for. So if you've never prayed and received Christ Jesus as Lord, I want to encourage you to do it online as I lead you in prayer. Others of you, I mean, you've walked with God. You're continuing to walk with God. What I want you as you're walking with God to understand deeper how much God loves you 
so that you can walk in this newness of life, that you can go and sin no more, walk in, in, in this life where you can walk in victory. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we need you, oh God. And as I pray, I want you to agree in prayer with me, and you just pray silently in your heart and receive the Lord, but also a prayer of walking in, the, in victory with the Lord. Lord Jesus, I love you. I need you in my life. God, thank you that you stood in the middle. You took my sins upon you so that I could experience your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. I trust in you. I place my faith in you. And God, thank you that now I can walk in newness of life. I can walk in victory. I can leave the past behind and walk in this newness of life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As you're watching online, I want to encourage you. Let's, Dakota's going to lead us in worship. Man, let's, let's just worship the Lord and experience His presence here this morning. shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing and great are you Lord oh all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing Yeah. 